with uh, Dr. Zachariah El Mohami, who's a professor of microbiology at Sultan Qaboos University. But he's more than that, uh, he's nationally renowned, internationally renowned in terms of the field of microbiology, neuro neurosciences, brain damaged children, and much else. Uh, he's been writing for more than a decade and a half about a new Oman, a new way of looking at issues pertaining to Arab security, Arab stability, Arab peace, Arab prosperity, and the enhancement of the participation of peoples in the national development process. Please welcome Dr. Zachariah Al-Mahami. Thank you very much. Well, assalamu uh, alaikum. Good morning and probably good afternoon to some of the people in uh, the Arab world. Uh, I would like first to start by thanking uh, Dr. John Duke Anthony for his belief in me and for his encouragement and for inviting me uh, to be with you uh, at this very important. Uh, ah, this is the one, All right? Good. Uh, well, I know that uh, human mind is geared to be interested much into conflicts, into threatening events, and doesn't care much about peace and uh, non-conflicts, because that's an ease. So it is really difficult for me to grab your attention, but I will try my best. I will try to cover a few things uh, to describe the Omani policy, review the Oman's history and understand Omani culture, learn uh, about Oman's political principles, list the current challenges that faces Oman, and try to foresee the existing uh, opportunities. Uh, since we are in the Ronald Reagan building, uh, our late, uh, late Sultan Qaboos has visited uh, Washington in December 1983. But that wasn't the first uh, Omani-American relationship. Our relationship goes back to the 19th century where uh, a ship from Oman by the sixth grandfather of Sultan Qaboos, uh, 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 Sayyid Said bin Sultan, has sent uh, a gift to the American people and that ship has arrived in New York in 1840. So our relationship goes back for around 200 years. Uh, Dr. Ashaigi from Kuwait has talked about the Omani uh, getting the Iranian and the American to sit together in 2015. But he forgot to tell you that in 2010, Oman got two probably not very good friends, the Saudis and the Iranians, to sit together. Uh, our late Sultan has met Netanyahu, and just before that, he met uh, Mahmoud Abbas, trying to open uh, 
windows and doors for the frozen uh, peace process. So how to describe the Oman foreign policy? Uh, Joseph Kachichian from RANS have said it very clearly. To understand Oman's current foreign policy is to understand skilled diplomacy works, how balancing interest tolerance towards differences and a determined search for mutual benefits can open international doors and keep them open even during conflict. While other nations in the Middle East have been driven by ideology and a short-term gains, the Sultanate of Oman has pursued its own course, holding to the belief that peaceful negotiation is essential uh, to the overall long-term goals of Omani security and prosperity. So that is how Oman foreign policy is based. But why? Why Oman is different than the other Middle Eastern countries? The answer is in this paper by an Italian academics. They have written in that paper that because of its strategic geographical position, so geography, if overlooking the Strait of Hormuz and the Arabian Sea, Oman has been trading with the Indian Ocean rim for at least 5,000 years. Oman is not a new nation. And Omani people have always been exposed to a certain openness of mind and lenience towards the neighbor. This cultural and economic openness is somehow also visible in the religious sphere. The majority of the population belongs to Ibadism, the Islamic school considered to be a third way between Sunnism and Shiism, and predating both since its origin date back to the early years of Islam. Oman is the bridge between the East and the West. It is and it has been like that since the inception of history. It was the link between the Mediterranean, India and China in what is called as the Silk Route. Oman is the origin of the frankincense which is burned in the temples of the ancient Egyptians and also in the old Iraqi civilization. Many have thought of bypassing Oman. They didn't reach anywhere, and that's Alexander the Great. His demise was because he tried to bypass Oman. The Phoenicians, according to Herodot and many historians, they originally came from Oman. They taught the world, what is it to make glasses what, how to make ships, and how to paint. And by the way, most of the uh, Gulf state uh, flags have the red color. It actually originates from the Phoenician red. When the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, started his da'wah to Islam, there was no any Arab nations, only Oman. And he sent a letter to the king of Oman asking him to be Muslim. 
So, but there is something interesting in what, what happened in Oman. The king of Oman have sent that letter to the representative of people in the north and the south of the country of Oman, asking them to be Muslims. And they all agree, and that's how Omani converted to Islam peacefully, by choice. The Persian who are living nearby, they refused. And that's why the Omanis started a war against the Persian, kicking them out of Oman and the Arabian Peninsula. And then they helped the Islamic country at the time of Khalifa Umar to defeat the Persian uh, uh, Empire. And that's, by the way, that's the letter from the Prophet. It is claimed to be, at least. Ibadism in Oman. Probably some of you who are Arabs and Muslims, they understand this. But some of you, they don't know. Uh, the, there is a difference between the Islamic sects, the three major Islamic sects. The Sunni school, think about the ruler. He has to be from Quraysh, which is a tribe in, from Mecca. The Shiite, they think the imam or the ruler has to be from the offspring of Imam Ali, and there are 12 of them. The Ibadis are the only one that think any Muslim can be the leader, provided he's selected by the Muslims, whom are called Ahl al-Hall wal-Aqd. Actually, Oman uh, have been ruled by the Ibadis for around 1,200 years. And there was an Emirati uh, writer, Dr. Hussein Gubash. He stated this in his PhD thesis in France. He said, in the Islamic historical context, we find that the application of the principle of consensus and contract has been suspended in reality since the, ed the end of the rightly guided Khilafat state. While the Umanis applied these two principles at the level of the imamat, the state and society, and indeed in all matters, since the second century after Hijra. In other words, this Umani experience extended with some interruption 12 centuries. So that is the longest democratic experience in history. Oman has a special character. Yeah. It has never been conquered completely by any invaders. The Portuguese Empire, they came to Oman in 1560, but they occupied only small ports in Oman. The entirety of Oman has never been conquered by anybody. And that's why the Omanis kept their tradition, their culture, since the prehistory. The revolutionary government of France have sent, uh, in, in one of their documents, have sent a letter to their representative in Iraq. And they asked him to visit Oman, and they described the Omanis as the premier people of the world. Jeremy Jones has a book called Oman Culture and Diplomacy. And he described Oman as cosmopolitan. He says, 
in Oman, as in so many countries around the Indian Ocean, literal, the, the interaction between the diverse people of the Indian Ocean region has for several centuries been part of the daily life. Not merely on the ocean or in the far-flung quarters of the world, but as part of the fabric of life on shore, too. This feature of Omani social life, which Friedrich Barth would call it cultural polarism, significantly predates the period of European colon colonial intervention in the Indian Ocean. And by the way, when these colonial invaders came to the region, some of their scholars, when they visited Oman, they were amazed by the type of polarism and the tolerance the Omanis has. Mm -hmm. And one of them, I think his name was uh, something Palgriff, in 1738, he's a British guy. He described the Omani tolerance as something that he has never seen in any other part of the world, not even in Europe. So what is the Omani political principle? It has been simplified by the late Sultan Qaboos. He said, among the well-established principles of Oman is cooperation with other countries and people on the basis of mutual respect and common interest. Non-interference in the affairs of others, as well as non-acceptance that others interfere in our affairs. Most of the conflicts that happens now in the world is because people are trying to impose changes in other people's community and in other people's politics. What are the challenges? I think there are a few challenges facing Oman. One of them is how to translate the political success into economic development. Second is unemployment. 40, around more than 40% of the Omani population are foreigners. I think in the United States it's less, less than 15%. And that led to unemployment of Omanis and I think the same problem is, being, is also there in many of uh, the GCC countries. And that led to some uprising in 2011 and 2020. More social engagement. In, when Sultan Qaboos came to power, there was no schools in Oman. So it was very difficult to have social engagement. But in the 80s, he started the advisory council. Then in, in the 90s, he made the Shura Council. And now that Shura Council is very powerful. But still, the Omanis are more ambitious. What are the opportunities? Now we have a new Sultan, Sultan Haytham bin Tariq. He is a young man with a vision, and he promised that he will take Oman to a new horizon. Stability. You can see there are conflicts everywhere around Oman. Oman is stable and is a safe haven. Adokum, as was mentioned by the video shown by uh, Dr. Anthony, uh, that's, I think that can bring the, uh, or can attract the maritime uh, to Oman again, as it was uh, before in history. And also the new 
desert uh, road between Oman and Saudi Arabia, that will bring the whole uh, GCC countries uh, and give them openness to the Indian Ocean. A very important opportunity is that most of the Omani population are young. More than 96% of the Omani population are at the working uh, age group. Possibly this is the last one. Oman is also very special environmentally. It has a special rocks that contain ophiolates. Ophiolates has the power to mineralize carbon and that can clean the air from what, what is called now the uh, global warming. And when you visit Oman, especially Samail, and you see these whitish lines in the Omani rocks, that is the Omani stones or the Omani rocks and Omani mountains cleaning the air for you. Thank you very much. Thirty seconds walk away from one another, but we're closer even than that. But I wanted to recognize the ambassador of Oman, who's here, Ambassador Musa Hamdan Altai. <laughs> ambassador Shmira. Uh, Your Excellencies, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as the person standing between you and lunch, I'm going to keep my remarks brief. Uh, but I would like uh, to thank Dr. Anthony uh, and the team uh, for inviting me uh, to share some thoughts uh, on Oman, uh, a country that I certainly have come to know and, and very, become very fond of through my ambassadorship there. Uh, I'm also pleased to be able to follow such impressive Omani speakers who have already laid out so much uh, of what Oman means and, and what, what kind of country Oman is. Uh, Oman is, as our previous speakers I think have made clear, uh, a unique country and I would say one that has been particularly fortunate uh, in the leadership it has enjoyed over the past several decades. The almost 50-year rule of the late Sultan Qaboos must be seen as one of the most remarkable periods of governance in the modern era. Uh, during his reign, Sultan Qaboos transformed a closed, almost entirely undeveloped society, little education, little medical care, little infrastructure, into a modern, a modern stable and prosperous nation. During my time as ambassador in Oman, in 2010, the UN Development Program published a list of the countries that had made the most development progress in the preceding 40 years. Oman was listed first. China was listed second. Uh, Oman's unique aspects uh, are, in many cases, its strengths. It is the most, eth most ethnically diverse Arab country, deriving from its history as an Indian Ocean maritime empire, with outposts and trading partners from present-day Iran to Pakistan to the East African coast. This gives Oman <coughs> excuse me, and its leaders an appreciation of the value of openness 
and diversity. As our previous speaker indicated, the Sultanate of Oman is the only country that has a population whose dominant sect of Islam is Ibadism, a sect that is neither Sunni nor Shia. That has allowed Oman to play a unique and helpful role, in particular in engaging Iran, including in the successful effort to conclude the Iran nuclear deal in 2015. Ibadism is known as being a moderate, a moderate, tolerant branch of Islam, which has stood the Sultanate in good stead with its neighbors, whether fellow Arab states, Persian Iran, the countries of South Asia, or the countries of East Africa. The wisdom of the late Sultan Qaboos was revealed in the early years of his reign in many ways. He succeeded in putting down a rebellion in the southern Dofar region through a combination of recruiting allies, the United Kingdom, Iran, and Jordan, and reaching out to those who had been alienated by the highly conservative policies of his father, bringing into his government former opponents who went on to be lifelong contributors to the development and success of Oman. One of his early policies was to resolve the many border disputes that Oman faced when he came to power. And through judicious diplomacy, he succeeded. As he himself said, if you have a friendly and amicable border with your neighbors, then in effect, you have no borders at all. His approach to regional and international affairs led to what became a lighthearted, but actually quite accurate phrase to describe Omani foreign policy. Friend to all, enemy to none. Oman operates under its own principles and in its own interests. While Oman has exported oil for several decades now, it never joined OPEC. Oman uh, did not break relations with Egypt when Egypt signed a peace agreement with Israel. Oman did not join the other Arab states in supporting Iraq in the 1980-1988 Iran-Iraq War. Oman wisely pursued a free trade agreement with the United States, and such an agreement entered into force shortly before I arrived as ambassador. The Obama administration worked closely with the late Sultan Qaboos in dealing with Iran. As part of that effort, President Obama conveyed that he was distancing his administration from the policies of the previous administration that called for regime change in Iran and that characterized Iran as part of an axis of evil. With this, Sultan Qaboos was able to energize his diplomatic corps, and as, as we saw during my tenure in Oman, dealing with the Oman-Iran dynamic, we ultimately got to the Iran nuclear deal. Iran grants a level of trust to Oman that it does not to any other Arab state. Iran and Oman share the territorial waters of the Strait of Hormuz, although all of the navigable sea lanes in the strait lie in Omani territory. And Oman has been a good steward of this vital international waterway. 
Oman has long been proactive in providing assistance to its neighbor, Yemen. The goodwill that this has created, and Oman's non-antagonistic approach to Iran, has allowed Oman to play a helpful role in seeking an end to the current conflict in Yemen, in particular in engaging the Houthis. Today, Oman continues to thrive under the leadership of Sultan Qaboos's successor, Sultan Haitham. Sultan Haitham himself benefited from serving in several key positions prior to his accession to Sultan. He brought with him great experience and great expertise, particularly in economic matters, and has kept the country on a path of steady development and progress even while dealing with several economic challenges. While Oman's energy wealth is much more limited than some of its neighbors, this wealth has always been used wisely to ensure development in all areas of the country. Even in the early years of Sultan Qaboos's reign, he saw to it that every town and village had electricity, water resources, a school, a hospital, and a mosque. In recent years, Oman has smartly invested in infrastructure, in ports, airports, roads, and railways, turning its strategic location outside of the Strait of Hormuz into a major trade and commercial asset. As these remarks suggest, the U.S. appreciates the positive and important geostrategic role that Oman plays in the region and beyond, and we greatly value the friendship we have enjoyed with Oman for some two centuries. Thank you very much. <laughs>